One of the skinniest usage trees in the league could spell big things for Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. What's up and welcome in to another episode of Fantasy Football in 15. I am your host, Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, how you doing today? Doing great, Beller. How you doing today? I am also doing great. We are putting a bow on the NFC North here today. We talked to Kevin Fishbane from the Chicago Bears way back when we started this Fantasy Football in 15 State of the Team series, about a week after that. We hit Matt Schneidman and the Packers a week later, Chris Burke and the Lions, and now here we are wrapping things up with Arif Hassan and the Minnesota Vikings. Arif, how's everything going? Uh, it's going great. How are you? We are doing good, man. This is uh, another fun division. I keep saying that about NFC North, NFC West. To me, uh, going to be two of the more fun divisions, maybe the two most fun divisions to watch this season. The Vikings are going to have a big hand in that NFC North being an exciting competitive division for sure. Let's start with Gary Kubiak here. He was on staff, of course, last year, but he wasn't running the offense in the way that he will be. Kevin Stefanski, of course, was in the OC chair last year. He now in Cleveland as the head coach of the Browns. Kubiak taking over the reins as the offensive coordinator. What, if any, changes should we expect to see from Kubiak's offense this season? Yeah, I was digging into kind of what Kubiak has done historically, what that what that difference is. We wrote a piece over at The Athletic uh, about offensive coordinators, and it, it really does seem like the Vikings were pretty extreme in their profile. Uh, they were one of the most run-heavy teams, obviously, if you exclude the Ravens, uh, even after accounting for you know how often teams were ahead or behind. Uh, I would expect the Vikings to pass more, even though Kubiak is not super known as a, as a prolific passer. He has had you know, Pro Bowl uh, quarterbacks hit 4,000 yards when when 4,000 wasn't very common, and his pass rate is about average uh, for the teams that he's been the offensive coordinator or play caller for. Uh, I would also expect more receivers on the field. Uh, the Vikings were dead last in three receiver sets by an enormous margin. The difference between them and number two is the same as the difference between, um, or number 31, I should say, is the same difference as, as between number 31 and number 18. It was just remarkable. So I'd expect more receivers on the field, even though they traded one of them away. Uh, and, and I'd expect uh, just generally, you know, more open football play. So um, the Vikings were, were not a pass-happy team. I don't expect them to become a pass-happy team, but I do think that they'll throw the ball quite a bit more and, and, and there's going to be you know, more mouths to feed when it comes to uh, who's catching the ball. You know, with more opportunities to throw, do you look at Kirk Cousins as a guy that can push back into the low 4,000-yard range this season? Last year, he was really efficient, 8.1 yards per attempt, only threw six picks in 444 attempts. Do you think the efficiency can stay at that level with the increased volume, or do you think the efficiency might come back down closer to his career norms? I think that the Vikings have found something that has kind of generated that efficiency, and it's a play-action heavy game, something he excels in, something that more and more successful offenses are doing a lot more. Uh, and so I think that the efficiency is likely to drop off because of supporting cast reasons, but I think it'll still be above uh, his career norm. So I think he'll largely be an efficient quarterback, and then with that additional volume, I think we'll see him back in the 4,000-yard in the region for sure. 
All right, let's talk about the running back here. Dalvin Cook says that he is not going to report to training camp without a new contract. Uh, you, the three of us, were sitting here last day of June recording this podcast, so uh, still a whole lot to be determined before then, like is there even going to be training camp? Uh, but right now, as we sit this far out from a potential training camp from week one of the season, does there seem to be any real risk of him missing time this year? Uh, I mean, there's a risk. I, I wouldn't judge that risk very harshly, honestly. I'd use it as maybe a tiebreaker in an auction or a fantasy draft. Um, he has no leverage. Uh, I, I don't think that there's any way for him to effectively, you know, argue that, that he should get a deal earlier or that he can kind of win the kind of deal he wants to given his injury history and, and the plummeting value of running backs. So, you know, he if he holds out um, for, for too long, you know, the, the season will toll on him and his contract will be automatically extended against his will for another year. So it's going to be difficult for him to to really do something. And then also the Vikings do genuinely want him to, to play for them. Uh, and so they've got their own incentive to, to want to make things work out. Yeah, looking at his breakout from a year ago, over 1,100 yards on the ground, 13 TDs, caught 53 balls for 519 yards, missed a couple of games as well, so those numbers could have been even better. And, you know, the offense really ran through him a year ago. Thinking about what you were saying before with the run-pass balance possibly shifting to be a little bit more evened out, do you think the volume kind of holds steady on a per-game basis for Cook? I think we'll see some slight drop-offs. Um, you know, he might make up for that with, with touchdown potential. Uh, you never know. Um, but I, I would say estimating the volume per game to be the same would be a little optimistic just given that. Uh, I expect the Vikings to maybe run a couple more plays a game just because their, their tempo was pretty low under Stefanski, and I'd expect tempo to increase. But just generally speaking, I'd say a slight drop-off in volume may be made up for the fact that that you know, there's the possibility that he's not going to miss some of these games. So uh, I, I wouldn't really adjust my expectations too much based off of what he did last year, unless you're you're really conservative about his uh, you know his his risk for for injury. But uh, for the most part, if I were to to adjust his expectations on a per game level, I'd I'd adjust them down a little bit. Alexander Madison uh, got a lot of attention last year because of the fact that he seemed like one of those clean obvious one-for-one step-ins if Dalvin Cook were to go down with injury. Alexander Madison, boom, steps right into that same lucrative role. So this year, is that what we're thinking again? He's really just a fly in the ointment, occasionally taking away a carry here and a carry there and a clear handcuff to Cook, or do they try to get him more involved even alongside Cook? Uh, I think he's going to be more of a, a clear handcuff, but you know, unlike most handcuffs, I think that he's rosterable. Um, you know, I'm not a huge handcuff guy, but I, I do think that uh, a because of the higher injury risk with with Dalvin Cook and the fact that the the running game doesn't seem to drop off that much when he's in, uh, and b that he does seem to get carries and that he might see some more goal line potential. That you could be in a situation where you know if if you're in it and all your guys are on on bye week, that he could be. Uh, a person that you can just kind of throw in there. Um, but yeah, I, I see him primarily as a handcuff guy. I don't think that he's going to leech too much away uh, from Cook, but he's clearly demonstrated that when he's on the field, uh, you know, the team doesn't expect a huge drop-off in performance. One quick follow-up on Madison. Do you think he is ready to handle a role in the passing game in the event of a Cook absence? Or do you think there would be a complimentary back, maybe working in some obvious passing situations uh, if Madison became the lead back? 
from a pure talent perspective, I would say that, you know, he's got that capability a little bit, not explosive in the passing game like Cook can be, uh, but certainly somebody that, that has that potential. But I think the way the Vikings want to run it out is I, I think they really like their pass catching back, uh, back Michael Boone, who a lot of people were really excited about in the final weeks of the season. And <laughs> Uh, it didn't work out the first time people were excited about it and worked out the second time people were. Um, I, I, I think that they would prefer to kind of split those duties between uh, Michael Dune as a primary, uh, Michael Boone as a primary pass catcher and, and Alexander Madison as a primary runner. But I do think that he can uh, catch the ball. And if Cook goes down, uh, I, I would expect him to get a reasonable amount of receptions, but, but for some of those to, to be funneled to Boone. Adam Thielen had two big years in a row in 2017 and 2018. Last year, struggled with injury. Still pretty productive considering he only played 10 games. Uh, he turns 30 a few weeks before the season is scheduled to begin. A bigger guy. We've seen guys with that body type uh, break down. Maybe is a little bit too aggressive of a word, but struggle with injury, especially if they have it as they go into their 30s. Is there any lingering injury concern here above the baseline of football just being a sport where injuries happen? I would say that there is some injury concern. I would say that the likelihood for injury for Thielen is a little bit higher than it would be for a typical receiver, um, but not one that that I would be crazy concerned about. I think that the age uh, factor is a big part of it. Uh, I think the nature of his injuries are kind of a part of it. We we did see uh, him re-aggravate the injury the first time he tried to come back uh, and play, and, and that's always kind of a red flag for those kinds of things. Uh, obviously, after he was able to set out a little bit further and then, and then get back in, uh, things things turned around, but we saw that in, in the playoffs instead of the regular season. Uh, and, you know, for the most part, you know, he's a talented receiver that's got really big play potential, and the Vikings have finally kind of unleashed a more aggressive offense. So it's all there for him. It is a concern I have, um, but it is not one that would counteract the fact that he's just going to be the primary receiver, and he probably is going to be for 14 to 16 games. Yeah, with Stephon Diggs now in Buffalo, is it fair to kind of pin the 2017 and 2018 target volumes on Thielen again? I mean, 142 and 153 targets in those seasons uh, could easily make him a 100-catch guy if he's getting that sort of volume week to week. Is, is that a, a fair expectation for him at this point? Yeah, honestly, I think it is. I mentioned that there's going to be more three-receiver sets, and so there might be more mouths to feed, but I think that's more than made up for the fact that Thielen is clearly the best of, of whichever three receivers are going to put out there and the fact that they're going to throw the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, Before you had mentioned what those target totals were, I would have estimated 150 target total for Thielen this year anyway. So uh, I think we're on the same page here. I think that he's just going to consume the lion's share of targets. One of those new mouths to feed the 22nd overall pick in this year's draft, Justin Jefferson out of LSU. You look at the depth chart, you look at the draft capital, the expectation should be that he starts immediately alongside Adam Thielen. What is a, a realistic expectation for Jefferson as a rookie? Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm really curious kind of how the Vikings view him because he primarily played in the slot in his final year at LSU, but he primarily played on the outside the year before, and the Vikings really liked that potential. Uh, and so the estimation that he should start right away, I think, is a pretty good one. We didn't see that with Laquan Treadwell before, but I think the Vikings don't have many options at receiver to start when they're in two receiver sets or three receiver sets. So I, I think that he'll play right away. I wouldn't say 
replicate a target total from, you know, Diggs when both Thielen and Diggs were were healthy at the same time. I wouldn't say that he's going to get as many of those targets. I would say that we're likely to see that split between him, whoever the third receiver is, uh, and, and between the two tight ends or Smith and Kyle Rudolph. So I, I wouldn't expect that kind of target total, but, but I would say that Maybe don't expect a, a 750, 800-yard season for rookies. That's pretty rare anyway. Uh, but I, I would say that he's got that potential for sure. Yeah, I look at the tight end position here, and I get kind of excited about Irv Smith Jr., but we're only a year removed from that big extension that Kyle Rudolph signed and you know, last season. Uh, he was okay, not great. I mean, did pull in six TDs, but only 39 catches for 367 yards for Rudolph. How do you see those two tight ends coexisting in this offense? Is there a chance that Irv Smith Jr.'s role can be scaled up to make him fantasy relevant at some point this season? I think his role will scale up, and and we saw that in terms of his snap counts as the season went on. Uh, The target totals a little bit. There was kind of a bubble in the middle of the season where his target totals increased a little bit more than anyone else's. But I think what's really telling is that, that Rudolph went from six targets a game uh, in in the prior two years, 2017-2018, to three targets a game in 2019. Uh, and I think those six touchdowns were kind of a little bit fluky just in terms of the way opportunities shake out. I wouldn't expect him to repeat that. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity for Irv Smith to kind of take up uh, some of that touchdown share, some of the target share. Uh, and I would expe- expect his role to be expanded, especially because the, the thing you're primarily concerned about with uh, with younger tight ends who typically have to wait until year three is whether or not they can perform all of the other duties of a tight end. And the Vikings have indicated they really like his ability uh, in the blocking game and so on. So they don't really have much of an excuse to take him off the field. So as a field stretcher, as he learns the offense, as, as a gadget guy, something he did at Alabama, I think that there's a, a lot of potential for him to kind of crack even potentially top 10 territorial that's pretty optimistic yeah especially with the uh, the position deepening that might be optimistic though we did see some some splash plays from him last year in the athleticism not hard to see uh, when you get to uh, watch him play and he gets a few opportunities to make some plays down the field uh, you've mentioned a few times here Arif that this is a team that's going to be running some more three wide receiver sets this season uh, we know Adam Thielen's out there we know Justin Jefferson is out there if there is a third receiver getting enough of a look to be fantasy relevant, you've got Ola B.C. Johnson, who we saw some from last year. The team went out and signed Tajay Sharp this offseason. You've also got K.J. Osborne, the fifth-round pick from this year's draft. Which one would you bet on being that number three guy for the Vikings? I would say also don't forget Chad Beebe, who is lined up to be the third wide receiver at the beginning of the year last year and just got injured. Um, I'm personally not super high on on Beebe, but I did want to bring him up just to kind of be careful. I would say it's B.C. Johnson who's going to uh, – probably take that third receiver role uh in in games where you know he started largely because of Thielen's injury he only got 20 yards uh a game but for a seventh round rookie that's actually really good and I don't expect him to 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 really take over anything but uh I, I think that his trajectory is pretty positive the Vikings like what they see in him and I think that you know his knowledge of the offense his ability to run routes at a level that you wouldn't expect from somebody of his age I think all of those kind of point to a guy that's very likely going to be the third receiver there's obviously going to be competition from Sharp and Osborne, who I think they primarily see as a returner more than a receiver at this point, uh, as well as BB. So that's that's going to be interesting. And then, you know, there's like dark horses, of course. You know, Dylan Mitchell's a deep threat. Maybe they don't have that anymore without Diggs, uh, and, and he could crack the roster. But I think primarily we're going to be looking at BC Johnson as the third receiver. All right, that's the Minnesota Vikings on Fantasy Football in 15 and Arif Hassan. Arif, thanks again for joining us today. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you can follow Arif on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL, and also be sure to check out our Vikings podcast, Straight Cash with Arif and Chad Graff. That is going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Uh, if you're out there on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else like that, please rate, review, subscribe. We really do appreciate that. And if you are on one of those services and not yet an athletic subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Derek Van Riper and Arif Hassan, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow.